Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Strategic Whimsy Experiment. I feel like we needed to start this episode off with some gunshots, but alas, <laughs> we're gonna stick to our classic start for this. Maybe you can find some sound effects and insert those in, or yeah, that works too. <laughs> you can just make gunshot noises with your with your mouth. That works too. Yeah, I don't. Either know, way, I don't know why the effects people for this film didn't hire us. <laughs> Seems very surprising. Today we are reviewing John Wick, Chapter Three, Parabellum. It's a very long title, but. <laughs> All right, so do you want to kick us off with the IMDb summary? Sure. Super assassin John Wick is on the run after killing a member of the International Assassins Guild, and with a $14 million price tag on his head, he is the target of hit men and women everywhere. Okay, so let's start off with our own summary. This is a little tradition of ours on the Strategic Whimsy Experiment. We come up with our own summaries, often, but not always, giving away our sentiments about the film. Sarah, do you want to start? Sure. All right. Mine is four words, and it is a constant Keanu concussion. Ooh. (laughs) That is good. Uh, Thank you. Yeah, he gets beat up so badly in this film. I just, I, I want him to just take a little power nap. About halfway well, through. Except when you're concussed, you shouldn't take a nap. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> though having further head injury is also not your best option. So he just needs to sit in a padded room and just stay awake for a few hours while he's monitored. But alas, you know, that's less action-y and fun. So yeah. here we are. Rest? No, 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 not for this film. No, that's not fun. That's not entertaining. (laughs) So my summary is simultaneously a self-serious comedy and brutal fantasy film rolled into one. Don't forget to breathe. I loved the deadpan humor in this film. I thought it was just, I was cracking up in my seat in this film while people are getting hacked away at on screen. So that's a <laughs> fun irony. <laughs> okay, so before we dive into our thoughts about John Wick 3, maybe let's start off with what your thoughts were about the first two films. I wanted to like the first one. I was excited to like the first one. And when they began revealing the plot line I kept waiting for something more I was like that's it you're gonna go on this massive killing spree because the dude stole your car and killed your dog like that just felt like a complete overreaction to me I liked (laughs) how it was filmed I liked you know the close hand-to-hand combat like there were elements of it that I really, really enjoyed. But on the whole, I couldn't get into the story. And I really didn't care about John Wick. Like, I was sad that his wife died and his dog died and that his car got stolen. Like, that's a rough day or two. Like, poor guy. But, I mean, let's not go on a killing spree. How about you (laughs) grieve in some other way? So... Then going into the second movie, I was a little hesitant, but I liked the second movie. I There was a little bit more of a storyline. He was working toward a goal. Um, he You could see you know, the tension that he was wrestling with. He was put in an impossible position, and you had to see him try and you know, get his way out. Um, and I loved the way that it ended and perfectly set up chapter three. So... After watching one and two, I was really, really excited for number three. Mm-hmm. Yes. My sentiments are quite similar. I started out not liking this whole world or the mood of the first one at all. I was not for it. But with the second and third ones, I think the main, quote-unquote, the main character of the film is no longer really John Wick, but it's more this underworld society of assassins. And that was super exciting to explore. And they unveil more and more parts of it with two and then with three. So 
I I wasn't a fan of the first one, but the second one got me a little hooked, and the third one just pulled me straight into this world, and I'm ready for the fourth one. I'm so I I left the theater and Googled whether or not they had plans for a fourth one yet because I'm just so pumped to see more of this world of assassins. It's the world building is fantastic. See, and this is where you and I disagree because I left the theater going, good God, do not make a fourth one of these movies. (laughs) Okay, so let's dive into our initial thoughts of John Wick 3. I guess we'll have our little spoiler insert here uh, that we will begin to spoil John Wick 3. If you haven't seen it yet, it is out in theaters. Go see it before continuing to listen. Yes, go see it. We don't want to spoil this. Go see it. <laughs> <laughs> so was it a, I enjoy John Wick 3 and now I've had enough? Or was it, I didn't really like 3, so please don't make a 4? Yeah, it was more of, I did not enjoy number 3. Now, I could see how number 4 would be a more interesting film for me than number 3 was. However, seeing how rough Keanu Reeves looked during number 3... I don't want to see another concussed Keanu for another whole movie. Like he has been concussed since probably movie number one and has not had a break. Like this is poor guy. Like just let him have a life. Um, But yeah, I didn't care for the, the plot line. I didn't think that it was, well written I didn't like a lot of the things that they did I I so appreciated the second one because it was this huge juxtaposition like you had these people doing all of these fights in this incredibly ornate place where it just didn't make sense and they tried to do that in the third one and it didn't work as well for me and honestly I didn't care about John Wick I was like (laughs) we're still following you around. This is the third movie that I'm seeing you in. And I still have no emotional tie to you. I'm not invested in whether you live or die. Like Mm -hmm. that's not really the kind of film that I want to be watching. And I, I really, really wish that we could just see into this super assassin world. Cause that's so much more interesting to me (laughs) than John wick and him killing hundreds of people. Like, No, I want to know how this whole society was built and how it operates and how, you know, it's present in our current society. And like, that would be so interesting. I don't want to see Concussed (laughs) Keanu. So would you prefer to see a film that was about Winston and Sharon and the Continental and the establishment of it? Is that what you want to see? 100%. Okay. Yes. Because I loved Winston. From the beginning, I, I was like, Ian McShane, yes, I am here for it. You are my favorite. Done. Um, <laughs> and he's still my favorite. I'm like, yeah, good job, buddy. You play, you play the game well. Yes, I love that on ending. On. He just played everyone, especially after he gave that long speech about not selling your soul to the high table and dying a man. And so great. Played well, them all. How legit is that, that all of these people are fighting each other and you're just chilling in your little gun room? Drinking like, some scotch or brandy. Yeah. He's like, yeah, I masterminded all of this so that I can take all of you people out. Look at me go. <laughs> like, man, that is brilliant. Good job. See, I loved John Wick 3. Like, I love John Wick 2. It was fun. I loved the catacomb scene and everything they did there. And then I loved John Wick 3 because they did more of it. You see people getting smashed into a book and dying. You see knife throwing. You see him in a stable. These things don't make sense why there's a stable in the middle of New York City. But alas... I'm here for it. It's a lot of fun. You see swords and ninjas on motorcycles. Like, it was a lot of fun. I I really liked the introduction of the adjudicator. It seems like every film they're kind of introducing and unveiling new parts of the high table. I had a lot of fun with John Wick 3. So it's always fun when we, we see differently on a film because I'm super pumped to unpack it. 
Yeah, it's always more fun when we disagree. Yep. <laughs> okay, so where would you like to start? What were your biggest qualms with the film? What were things that they did that you were like, oh, why could you have done more of this? I would have loved to see more of this. Well, one of my consistent annoyances was the constant crotch shots that just yeah. kept happening throughout the film. And like at first, during that first, you know, when he had that hour to run away, well, it was really like, I don't know what, 30 minutes to run away. Mm-hmm. That I understood because he was in a state of absolute desperation. And I'm like, okay, all bets are off then. Like, just go for it. But then it kept going throughout the film. And I was like, okay, what in the With world the dogs, is going on? Yes. Yeah, that was a little much. I was like, that's just not necessary. Can we get another thing to punch or kick, like, <laughs> literally anywhere else on this person's body? Okay, but, but how great were those two damn dogs? And just the... See, this is the humor that I love in this film where it's like revenge of the dogs because the dog died in the first time and he went on this killing spree because of a tiny puppy. And now it's like they were avenging Daisy's death. And it was just, oh, it was so great. See, I was so bored by that, by the end. Because it just kept going on and on and on and on and on. I was like... Can we move on to something else already? Like, we've already seen this. You've already killed, like, 50 people. And that's Halle Berry alone. I don't know how many Keanu shot. But I was just, like, I was slumped over in the chair. Just, like, we have so more of this. you were tired by the end? Yes. Did I was leave exhausted? absolutely exhausted. Yes. <laughs> okay, I will concede a few things that I had qualms with. I thought the Hall of Mirrors thing in the very ending scene, just the whole ending scene was not very entertaining. It felt like they did the whole mirror thing again, which they already did in John Wick 2. Yes, and they did it so much better in number two. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's like you already did that whole set piece. Like, no no need to do yeah. it again. The other things that I had problems with in this film was – the humorous little moments with Zero, the um, main villain at the end, like he was kind of this like John Wick fanboy, but also wanting to kill him. Like I just thought those yeah, were super I out of place. I didn't understand it. And like his accent kept changing and I'm going, what is going on here? I'm, mm-hmm. I was so confused by him. I, I hated those parts. I thought it just like totally killed the mood and it didn't make him seem like a proper match for John Wick. And so in that ending scene when they're fighting each other, it just feels like I don't really want you to kill him and I don't really know what we're doing here. So I was not a fan of the whole ending. It kind of started to fizzle out towards the end. The other thing that I had a big problem with is there's this moment and I, after this moment, I just couldn't, I couldn't get past it in my head. There's this moment where the two uh, ninjas are fighting John Wick. It's also in the ending scene. And there's a moment where they have both of their um, swords in, their, in his face. And then they kind of offer their hands to him and offer him a hand to help get him up off to his feet again before they start fighting. And I was like, Ooh isn't your job to kill him? Like, what? What? I was so peeved by that part. See, I wasn't as annoyed by that. I, th- I was annoyed by pretty much literally everything else they did. But to me, that was more of a sign of like, oh, professional courtesy. Like, like if you want to keep fighting, we can keep fighting. Like, it was more of like, oh, we can keep doing this all day unless you're done. You- are you done? Oh, no, you want to keep going? Okay, we can keep fighting. Like, yeah, I, I was I was okay with that. But see, I, I was, like the whole like kill or be killed thing. Like if you don't, yeah. if it's life or death, you help him up this time, he might kill your ass next time, mm-hmm. like two minutes later. So why would you risk it? It's John Wick. Like he's a legend. So I don't know. It probably made sense. Maybe they were fan 
fanboying Fan is that a thing? Yeah, I don't know. I don't. That whole that whole ending, ending scene was so rough. Yeah, yeah. I I definitely agree. That was one of my biggest qualms with the film, and that the this there's this giant screen in the background when he was fighting. Yeah, Zero. and I just kept looking at the screen the whole time because I was like, me hmm. too. What do they have next on the screen? Oh, interesting. The colors are changing. How pretty. Like, it didn't make any sense. It didn't seem to map to what was happening as far as the action either. So I didn't get what was happening there. Well, and I was so confused about where they were. Like, I'm just directionally impaired. But it was such a weird contrast to everything else in that building. And I couldn't nail down where they were and so even that was confusing to me Mm -hmm. I was just I was all kinds of disoriented and like oh no I did not like that (laughs) okay my second biggest qualm with this film I'm starting off with my qualms but I promise I really loved this film so my other biggest qualm was the whole sequence in the middle of the film where he's walking off into the desert to meet with the elder who's the head of the high table. First of all, I had a big problem with that because the whole point is that this the high table should be this mysterious society that we as the audience should never meet. Like yes. We it's so much more powerful when it's like people that are sent from the high table, but we don't know who or where yes. and how they operate. So I I hated that they included that. I also kind of found it a little problematic that they set that in the Middle East. Like, there's already a lot of weird implications there that I was not a fan of. But then the whole scene where he is in front of the elder of the high table, whose face we should never see. Like, that that's more terrifying when we don't know who this main um, leader of this secret society is. And then he says that he wants to live solely because he wants to remember <laughs> her. And I was like... Are you effing kidding me? Like, I just am deleting this scene from my memory so that I can <laughs> continue to just, I'll just edit in my mind all of the awesome action scenes together and delete out all this crap in the middle because <laughs> I hated it. <laughs> it's like, no, don't. This is just bad, bad writing. Yeah, when he said that, I, I didn't facepalm, but I facepalmed in my soul. I was just, oh, like, that's the best that you can come up with. You want to live so you can remember her? Bro, you could have done that before movie number one started. Mm -hmm. Like, what was stopping you then? Also, is it worth it to sell your soul to this, like, literally to the rest of your life, you are bound to this society that controls you? with any assignment they want to give you solely so that you can remember her. Like, there's got to be a higher purpose than that for me to feel invested in you. I was not invested in John Wick, but I love seeing him fight, so that's why I love this film. But (laughs) if they had done, I think if they had done the writing better for this film and the plot points were stronger, this could have been so much more effective when they couple that with the action. Like, the action was so good. That's why I love this film, so I could forgive a lot of these other problems. But imagine if they had better writing in play to couple with the action. It would have been so much more epic. But alas. Yeah, I agree. I I wish that there had been a better plot line and better writing just in general. And that's why I think... If they make a fourth one, I would like that better because he has a specific goal that he's working toward. In this one, his main goal was survival, which to me, I would rather see you on offense than defense. I'd rather Mm -hmm. see you actively working toward achieving somebody. So like the concept of number four and then toppling the high table Like, that's a tangible goal with measurable results. The whole I want to stay alive (laughs) thing, I mean, yeah, that's cool you stayed alive, but there's no resolution there. Mm -hmm. So it it wasn't as rewarding for me. It was just 
stressful for two hours and I left exhausted. But if they're actually able to topple the high table or not topple the high table and he dies, either way, there's a result and there's a resolution. And that's all I want. Yeah, the whole premise for this is that he's staying alive. John Wick needs to be alive. And that would be an effective premise if we as the audience cared about him and cared about his cause. Like I kept thinking about Mad Max Fury Road while watching this film because there's so much action and it's breathless throughout that entire film. But there's a very clear um, objective for the characters and we know enough about them to care about them. And that coupling together was so effective. So the action was awesome because there were stakes and you cared about the character and it was coupled with the story. This one, the action just cool and epic to watch, but it's, it's like watching a video game. Like I, I don't know who these, any of these people are, but it's kind of cool to watch them fight each other. And we didn't care about John Wick the same that we cared about Charlize Theron's character and Tom Hardy's character. So yeah. Yeah. Agreed. <laughs> And in Mad Max Fury Road, I mean, Charlize is a phenomenal actress. And with almost no dialogue, she was able to communicate this whole backstory and create so much empathy. And then you have Keanu, who can barely put a sentence together in the course of three movies. Like, it's comparing apples and oranges here. Yeah, so, see, okay, this is where... I I don't know if it's an intentional deadpan humor that this film has or if it's just terrible but it takes itself very seriously so it's funny to me. The lines there are very gray. But I'm just taking all of that terrible dialogue and delivery and putting it in the category of this is just deadpan humor. They know that it's ridiculous but they're going with it and they're taking it seriously. And it's kind of comical to watch him deliver some of his lines. I mean, even Winston's lines around, like, if you want peace, prepare for war. Like, it's just, <laughs> it's so over oh, the top. so bad. It, so I'm just taking everything that they might have wanted to actually be legit that's terrible and putting it in that category. And it's funny. Yeah, I didn't do that. <laughs> I just went, oh, this is awful. Like the scene where, I don't remember what the exact lines were, but Sophia basically says something along the lines of like, that was my dog. And John Wick goes, I get it. Oh, it's so ridiculous and over the top that it's quite humorous. Yeah, that was one where there was a few (laughs) scattered chuckles throughout the theater. Mm Mm-hmm. One of the few times that there was any reaction from my theater while watching this movie. Oh, man. So, this war with the high table. Are you excited for it? Are you pumped for it? Do you want to see it happen? Or are you like, eh, I'm okay? I'm I'm okay if there's not another John Wick movie. I'm not, like, beating down the door wanting another one of these. But if they're going to make another one, because, I mean, studios can't help themselves. Please, please make it the last one. And please make it him trying to topple the high table. It's set up perfectly. You can give him a minute to recover, because good God, he should not be able to move or do anything at this point in time. So you got to give him time (laughs) to be in a full body cast, probably some, like, a bajillion surgeries, but if they take it any other direction than trying to topple the high table, that would just be, it would just be cruel. Don't do that. (laughs) You set it up. Now hit it. Like, yeah, they set it up so perfectly. I almost wanted him to just die by being killed by Winston. I thought that would have been so epic. I did too. For them to just be like, that's how he's, like, this epic assassin is going to go by being killed by his friend. Like, that seems 
so fitting in a way that he wasn't yeah. killed by an enemy, but by a friend that he thought that he could trust. And that's how this assassin's going to go. And it would have been great. I almost was like, did they just kill him and close the door to this franchise? Did they just do that? Because that would have been really epic. I was, I would be there for it, but alas. The yeah, capitalist was, engine is alive and well. <laughs> <laughs> I was hoping for that too. And then he shot him and I was like, ah, oh, man, he's not dead. Mm. Crap. <laughs> I was so frustrated. <laughs> <laughs> but see, okay, so there's a lot of talk of like this being a neo-noir and the noir of our modern times. And that would have been a perfect noir ending is for him to have been shot by his best well, not his best friend. I don't know if he has a best friend. One of his trusted His only friends. friends? Yeah. But here's the thing. I, in no way, shape, or form, see any of these movies as a noir. Oh, interesting. Like, <laughs> okay, let's unpack to me, that. To me, a noir is a mystery. And you're you're trying to unravel these things and there's all the, you know, twists and turns and betrayal and all of that. But just in general, it's a mystery and there's no mystery in these. This dude is just trying to survive and killing people. <laughs> the only mystery is who is the high table and they solve that one like 50 minutes through <laughs> the film. And it was such an underwhelming reveal. Oh, I'm, I was so mad that they did that because in John Wick 2, the whole concept of the high table was such an exciting, thrilling thing, yes. and especially that we never knew who it was. And then at the start of this film, they send the adjudicator and it's like another little piece of the high table that we get to see, but we still don't know who or what it is. And I feel like they closed off so much potential for being able to do so much more with this world. Now that we know who the leader of it is and what, how it's run, they could have just had this endless cycle of unveiling more and more and more about the high table without ever really satisfying us with finding out who it really is. And that would have been brilliant. Like that's yeah. the way that this should have gone because this, this world building, like you said, has been so good. Mm -hmm. And then they just kind of shot themselves in the foot. Yeah, exactly. But back to the topic of whether or not this is noir, I could see how there are some components of it. You've got like the, the backstabbing and who can you really trust theme of who's your friend and who's playing you and manipulating you. There are some like interesting angles and lighting choices. You've got the rain and the night spiel thing going on. <laughs> Always. <laughs> All of the moodiness. All the moodiness. But you're right. It's kind of like noir components meet kung fu action film and then put in the blender together and <laughs> put on like puree. <laughs> it's like they wanted to be a noir, but they didn't know how to pull it off. Yeah. <laughs> They read, like, a couple books and picked the top couple of things and went with it. <laughs> they watched the Maltese Falcon on mute uh, <laughs> and just decided to add a bunch of killing in the middle <laughs> yeah. instead of all the boring talking. Yeah. Yeah, there's, there's almost no talking in this. This was probably, like, one-sixteenth of all of the Maltese Falcon's script. <laughs> <laughs> So this this idea of the war with the high table, I was thinking about after leaving the theater. Like that is, this is go, that is going to be such an American movie with such American themes of rebelling against the rules and established system. One of the things that I really loved in this film was that the high table was enforcing this concept of there are rules to abide by and there are consequences when you don't and there's an established system and we all operate within the system and the adjudicator showing up to the Bowery King and Winston and the director all for doing these tiny little acts to help 
the enemy of the high table and someone who broke this like honor code I thought was so exciting and awesome to see. It's like, yes, there are rules and there are consequences and John Wick broke them. So in a way, he kind of deserves a lot of what he got in this film. And now that there's this like war with the high table that's going to happen, it's like, gosh, this is going to be a film with such an American ideal of let's rebel against the established system, F the rules, F the system, let's just set up our own new one. And it'll be really exciting to watch that film. But also it's a, it very much reflects our culture and our country, which I thought was just kind of interesting. Uh, that's, oh, it's so American. <laughs> <laughs> and part of the reason why I liked number two was because Winston so clearly defined the rules. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, yes, yes, you have rules. Please tell me more about the rules. The rules are good. <laughs> Let's follow the rules. Like I was all about it. And like that Winston actually followed his own rules. Mm -hmm. He didn't break them to save his little buddy, but he actually enforced them, which was really, really hard. And I respected him for it. And so I think that's the other reason why I couldn't fully get into number three is because John did bring this all upon himself. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm, it, it sucks. I mean, okay, you're dropped into this world. Puppy was killed. Your wife was killed. Your car was stolen. Your house was blown up. You just <laughs> killed a whole bunch of people. But, like, you didn't have to shoot the guy in the head. Like, yeah. I mean, you could have chosen many different options and then you wouldn't have landed yourself in this place to be on the run, to have all these people chasing after you. Like Exactly. It's kind of like make you, you brought all of this upon yourself. You broke the rules. You kind of deserve all this crap that you're getting beat up with. So it's on you a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, am I, I don't. I don't understand who, what's going, am I supposed to be rooting? I mean, I'm rooting for you to survive because your name is in the film, but you're stupid. So well, yeah, that goes I'm back struggling. to the, the bad writing because yeah, exactly. there's conflicting things that like we simultaneously as viewers want this sense of justice, but we also are kind of rooting for this guy. So like, do, are we, are we rooting for him? I, I think the fact that there are so many rules and there's an established system that these, these assassins have to operate in and abide by makes a lot of sense. These are lethal people. And so there needs to be some sense of control. Otherwise, shit's just going to hit the fan and you have all these incredibly dangerous people going off the rails and there's nothing constraining them. And so when the adjudicator showed up, I kind of was annoyed with her, but I'm kind of like, yeah, like you enforce the rules, lady. And a lot of the scenes that were kind of violent where they she would like slash their face and like slash their hands. It's like, I hate watching that. But at the same time, like, yeah, I, I can see why you're doing all this stuff because there needs to be a system that these assassins abide in. Oh, yeah, I was... I was here for all the punishment that she was doling out. <laughs> I was like, yeah, do your job. I was, I was annoyed by her. I, I wouldn't have picked her to play the adjudicator, but I loved that position and that character. Yeah, it was just such an interesting other layer to this world. I wanted to know about... The other adjudicators, how does one become an adjudicator? Do you dole out your own punishment your own way? Or is there a rule book even for that? Like, I had many, many questions about the adjudicator. And she had her own special coin. Like, oh. She did. I thought that I wanted... whole thing was done so well as far as world building. Yes. Yes. It was so good. So who is coming up with this world and why is this, the plot point so bad if the world is so good? That's my question. I don't know. 
Like, are they I'm, two separate people? Like, you are responsible for creative <laughs> world building, and you write the story that happens with the world. Because we need to get rid of the story writer and just keep this world building person. Because oh, they're doing a great agree. job. Yes. Yes. This world is fantastic. And I want more of it. Yeah. It's so much more interesting than hundreds of people being shot and slashed and stabbed and beaten for two hours. Like... <laughs> Tell me more about the world. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And one of the things that I really do love about the John Wick films is that they feel no need to explain a lot. Like you just operate with the assumption that this makes sense and it piques your curiosity without feeling the need to hand everything to you um, in order for you to understand what's happening. Like when she shows up, we have no explanation for how she operates or who she is other than watching what she does. And I think that's really effective that a lot of other films don't do well where they really feel like they need to explain everything to you. Example, Detective Pikachu, where they had a full <laughs> like minute-long voiceover explaining the world of Rhyme City. Like We have no voiceover at all or explanation for the world of the continental, how they operate. We just are thrown in and we kind of – as a viewer, observe what's happening and make our own assumptions. And I love that they do that in this in all of the John Wick films. I think they they feel no need to explain things and assume you're along for the ride. Yeah, and you'll you'll pick up from it what you want to pick up. Mm-hmm. Like if you're if you're interested in the world building, you're going to pay attention to that and you're gonna draw conclusions from that. If you're not, then you can just watch John Wick killing people. And that's cool too. So like you can take what you want from the film and leave the rest, which is really nice. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And it leaves them the ability to continue to build more and more by not feeling the need to explain everything because they can challenge, challenge original assumptions that we had or introduce new rules that we wouldn't have guessed existed like the whole concept of um the new york continental being deconsecrated and then for some reason it could be reestablished as being back to being a safe haven like that whole concept never explained to us we never even knew that that could happen in any of the previous films but it just introduces it in and we're we're like yeah okay Stands to reason. You can excommunicate a person, so why can't you excommunicate a building? (laughs) Sure. I, okay, can we talk about the tattooed operators for a hot sec? Because I I want to know more about that. I love that. Yes. I I have so many questions. Can we just have, like, (laughs) a little mini, like, a six-episode series just about that? The world of the badass, pierced operators yes yes i need more i want to know so much more they remind wonderful of the ladies in the um that were operators in mad men and just the stark contrast was so great but also a lot of like the stylistic pieces of the typewriters and the board and the clock were like so on point it was just so visually interesting to see as well like when have we seen tattooed old ladies with piercings dressed in like secretarial outfits typing on typewriters in like an old it just visually was like a feast for the eyes yes that's that's another one of those juxtapositions that was introduced in the second film that I was like wait a second I'm here for this and I was so excited that we got to see them again in number three yeah, I want more of them. And the f- they are so stone-faced and yes. apathetic throughout. Like, just They're doing just doing their, their jobs. jobs. Yeah. <laughs> but also there's this element of them being, like, so dramatic as well when she's, like, John Wick, excommunicado, stamp. <laughs> and it's just, like, oh, it's so great. Yeah, I I need to know more about them. Again, who is this world builder and can you write the story, please? Yes, please. Then I (laughs) like these movies. Oh, man, it was so good. 
some of the action sequences I thought were a little bit long. I know you probably thought they were very, very, very long. Yes. But sure I did. I appreciated the creativity that they they tried to introduce, especially in the first like thirty minutes of the film. It reminded me of the Fast and Furious franchise, where the whole premise of their films is like, how can we do a chase scene with cars and action, <laughs> but in increasingly crazy creative places? <laughs> and I feel like there was a similar uh, yep. thing that happened with creating the first 30 minutes of this film, where it's like, we want to create epic action, and what can we do that's never been done before? Oh, someone getting killed by a book. <laughs> someone getting killed by the like the knives scene. I want to rewatch again because it was just so epic, and I appreciated that they kind of uh, took it back to the roots of like older action films and like the kung fu martial arts films, where they don't have a shit ton of guns that they're just like barreling through a field of unnamed. Um, enemies but you really see this beautiful choreography and I loved the first 30 minutes of this I want to go and rewatch it again solely for the first 30 minutes of this film yeah I did enjoy the first 30 minutes I think that they did that absolutely brilliantly to pick that up just a short period of time after the second movie ends and you're directly into the action like yeah. you and you have that sense of time and like oh crap john what you going to do cuz time is running out and then you're going to die like mm-hmm. they set up the stakes and so well and they let you know constantly what time it was and that was just brilliant and all of the obstacles that kept popping up along the way like that was so well done and then the whole movie went downhill from there for me. <laughs> they started off so strong that they didn't they couldn't meet their own bar. They really did. <laughs> yeah, and I I thought what was really exciting about the the first 30 minutes is that you kept asking yourself as a viewer like what is John Wick going to do? Like how is he going to survive all of these assassins coming after him? And then you see him like, "Oh, yeah, like lure them into this knife and gun shop and then you have a plethora of weapons like awesome that's super smart and I I thought it would have been really interesting for this film to be kind of like a series of like what is he going to do next what is he going to do next and that's kind of interesting and exciting for us to wonder about but they didn't do that um I still love the first 30 minutes of this I mean I get it maybe there's only a certain amount of things after the horse scene I was like oh Okay, where where are you going to go from here? But man, those first 30 minutes, I just want to watch again in a dark theater on a giant screen because it was so great. There were cheers in my theater after the knife scene. Oh, yeah? Yeah, there's this, like, group of dudes in the back, and I could just hear them being like, oh, yeah, (laughs) like cheering in the back, and they were, like, so rowdy and so fun. I I do think that 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 moment when he was like rebuilding a gun out of all of those gun pieces, again, it was a moment where it's so tense because you know that these guys are coming to kill him. And yet he's taking the time to fiddle with all of these guns and make it into the way that he wants it so that Mm -hmm. it'll work. Like that was so, so good. And so you had these moments of brilliance. Uh, and I just wanted more, more of them. More of it, yes. I will also have to tip my hat off to the fact that the choreography for all of the action sequences, whether they were long or not, but the choreography in that was absolutely amazing. And the editing really shows that off because it's long takes and pretty minimal camera movement. And so really the actors have to be so on point with every movement. And there was none of the shaky cam crap that a lot of action films do now where you have no idea where you are and you just see kind of like punches thrown and limbs flying around, but you you don't get to see it. And the commitment to the standard and the bar that they've set for the action 
was, I thought, so well executed, and the editing shows it off really well. So I really, really appreciated that. I thought it was so fun. What I also loved about that knife sequence was that they carried the no music during the fight thing into mm. the third movie. I I don't know that I've ever seen a film dare to do that where there's there's no background music. You just mm-hmm. hear the people fighting each other. Mm-hmm. And that is that's so interesting and such a bold choice and they're able to pull it off so well. And I I do agree that during those shots like it's so tight and for them to be able to hit all their marks and you know being able to move the way that they did mm-hmm. was phenomenal. Yeah. And and I to have memorized and practiced that choreography and every limb and movement to be in the right place was I I, I just love the dedication there and um, the fact that they had martial artists and professional fighters be a part of this film was again yes. that bar that they've chosen for themselves and they were committed to I can always appreciate that so so much yeah and then we had the final set piece when for most of it it just felt to me like uh I need to throw this punch and then you need to land there yeah so we're just gonna kind of push you into that spot oh okay now I need you to come (laughs) over here so okay I'm gonna push you this way and then you're gonna break that thing and oh now you need to go over to the other side so how do we get like it just felt so forced as opposed to the first especially that knife so quick like that was so sublime and at the end, I'm just going, wait, what happened to what you were doing yeah. an hour ago? Like, that it was so out. much better. <laughs> it definitely fizzled out. It's almost like they used half of their energy bar in the first 30 minutes, and then the rest of the film, they're, like, trying to... Keanu's <laughs> tired. Maybe that's what it is. I don't know, but... I mean, poor guy. He's been running for the entire movie. He's been concussed since movie number one. Like He, he lost just... a finger. He lost a finger. Poor guy. He just needs some Gatorade and a rest. Like, (laughs) poor guy. Yeah. But that beginning sequence was so quick. It was very good. It's a shame that they fizzle out because... And I think this is a this is a challenge for a lot of action films. It's almost like either the very ending scene is very epic... Or the beginning's epic, and you can't top it. Um, so I know that uh, Skyfall had a similar problem. Was it Skyfall or was it Spectre? Oh, I'm getting them mixed up. But there was a Bond film where the opening whole chase action sequence was so great that it couldn't top that. And so the ending scene was just a letdown. And I feel like this same thing happened with this one. They just The bar was too high. All right. Is there anything else that we haven't talked about that you want to talk about that and point out? Another thing that I appreciate about this franchise is that John Wick actually gets hurt. Mm, like, yes. and I think it was in the the first film. He he wears a bulletproof vest, and like in the second one, he has his bulletproof suit. Like he takes intentional care because he knows that he is a man and he will get hurt. Granted, he should have probably died somewhere between movie number two and three, (laughs) given the severity of his injuries and for sure died at the end of number three. But you know, beside that he is injured for all of these films. Yeah. And I really, really appreciate that. He's not this invincible guy and he can get hurt. Yeah, and you see him limping around when he's running. Yeah. Yeah. I've also never been more aware of the fact that there's a limited amount of bullets that you have and you have to keep resupplying your gun with them because in every other action film, it's just like a limitless supply of magical guns with just limitless bullets in them. You just keep shooting. doesn't matter. You got plenty. And this one, they're so 
much more he has to think about and it's a lot more realistic because he has to find a spot that's protected to re uh, resupply his bullets. And you don't see that in other action films as much. One thing that I was annoyed by in this film in particular was that the anytime anybody really would run out of bullets in a gun, they would just throw the gun at the person. <laughs> and they the first time I saw that, I mean, I'm sure it's been done in other films, but the first time I saw it was in Casino Royale. Mm-hmm. And I thought that that was done so well and that was so novel then, but then to see it in this film and they did it so many times, <laughs> I was like, oh, come on, you've got to be kidding me. Come up with a new move. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, some of it does get repetitive. I will agree. Like the whole Sophia Halle Berry sequence oh. was like a little bit longer than it needed to be, but I mean, that's what we came for. So they're just giving us what we want. Are they? Are they really? The guys in the back of my theater <laughs> oh, had a yeah. grand old time seeing him shooting up everything. <laughs> but yeah. I have to give a special shout out to the girl five seats to the right of me in my row. <laughs> she gave me such a laugh because I would look over in any of the like major action sequences and homegirl has like her hood of her sweatshirt just covering her entire face (laughs) (laughs) and I think she was there with her boyfriend or her guy friend and I just know that she did not prepare to see this film like she was not aware it must have been one of those things where it's like hey you want to go see this film sure whatever it looks kind of like a fun film and she was not ready and it gave me such a kick because every sequence that was like mildly gory I would look over and homegirls just you know turned off got her little sweatshirt on covered her entire face (laughs) and I just was so grateful that I was I had I watched a lot of this film homegirl watched probably like 25% of this film (laughs) with all the bad story (laughs) oh loved that girl she was great Highlight of the film for me, watching her watch this film. <laughs> See, I'm just proud of you for watching this. Oh, God. When they, when the adjudicator doled out her punishments, I, like, I had my jacket very close to my eyes for a quick uh, look away. Because, oh, I just can't. I can't with the, the blood rushing down the hands and the arms. I just feel I like I can I like feel it in my hands and I'm like, oh can you imagine what that's like? Oh god. Well, and I was just thinking, because your hands are so delicate and there's so many like tendons and nerves and bones in your hand, like you are your your mobility is severely limited after an injury like that. So I was just like, wow, I wonder if there's a good like hand surgeon around where they are because you're going to need to get that looked at almost immediately. Otherwise you're going to lose use of your hands. Like, Oh yeah. And for the director, it was like both of her hands. Yeah. Poor Angelica Houston. Yeah. This movie is like dark in a lot of parts that I was like, I'm just going to, not remember that and not have that seared in my mind (laughs) (laughs) all right anything else that we didn't talk about I just (laughs) my my struggle with both with all of these movies honestly is just the sheer numbers of people coming out John Wick how has nobody killed him by now like Mm-hmm. I mean, there's just, there's hundreds of them. I did have that same thought, especially in the first 30 minutes to an hour when it's like all the assassins are after you. Why are they all coming two by two? Yeah, exactly. Like, why are not mobs of them coming at once? Because you'd be dead immediately. But it's, it's one of those things where I just thought to myself, you can't think too hard about this. Just let it go. <laughs> Well, and I wish that there would have been more of a mob scene because he could have used that to his advantage. And that could have been 
another fun element that we really haven't seen so far. Interesting. Yeah. But. I wouldn't, yeah, I wonder if part of the reason they don't do that is to keep that, um, like, John Wick-style action where it's, like, gunshots to the head and, like, close combat fighting versus I'm going to take a giant-ass gun and just, like, barrel through a crowd. I don't know. Maybe they're trying to yeah. stay on brand. <laughs> And it's, you know, pretty <laughs> consistent for most action movies. You know, mm-hmm. they, the, the goons come at the protagonist one or two at a time. So it's, it's what we're used to seeing. But I, especially in, in movies like this, where it's supposed to be the super assassin and he's supposed to be this, like, legendary guy, I want to see more. Like, mm. if you are that legendary, that's cool that you can kill people one or two at a time, but, like, show me what really sets you apart. Like, show me something that I've never seen before in some of these action pieces. Mm. So what he would need to find is all of the Infinity Stones so that he can snap <laughs> his fingers and all of his enemy assassins will just disappear. No, no, <laughs> please, no more Infinity Stones. No, please, no. No more, <laughs> no more superheroes. <laughs> like, I've had enough. I was, I was happy that these are actual people. That's wonderful. Yep, but that would be no, the only thing that would allow him to possibly fight off all of the world's assassins coming after him. <laughs> but if he's a super assassin, like, if he's that good, like... Show me, show me that you're that good. I mean, he can do a heck of a lot more than I can do, but I am also not claiming to be a super assassin, so. <laughs> Hear that, John Wick franchise? Sarah wants more. Bring it on. I in, want more. In number four. I want, I want a better story. Thank you. Better story, more, more of a mob scene. Yeah, just, uh. Maybe we'll good, see the High Table action. Army come after him. Maybe it'll be oh. like an epic war. Man, I just, I don't know how they're, re- they're going to recover the mystery of the High Table oh, after I they know. showed. Was, I just. They shot themselves so much in the foot with that. They really did. I wanted, I wanted that to be a total lie where He's going to show up into the desert and there's legit not going to be anyone there. Like I wanted that guy to be messing with him and tell him some false yeah. information. So yeah. it's like, oh, we're going to get to meet the high table. No, you're not. That was a total lie. Yeah, that's where they should have taken it. Agreed. So clearly they need your story writing, my gunshot sound effects. <laughs> that's what they're missing. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so final thoughts on John Wick 3. I I just want Keanu to take a rest. He's 54. I, that's, he's, what? Yeah, he's 54. I oh, looked that up today because I was curious. Buddy. Yep. Oh, please don't make another John Wick film. Like, just... Just be done. Leave the rest up to our imaginations. Go make films that are safer for yourself. You are not as young as you used to be. Please take good care of yourself. Yeah, but what Sarah does want is a six-episode TV series on The Continental. Well, I want... I want to know more about the Continental, and I want to know more about the uh, tattooed secretaries. Um, <laughs> I would like to know more about the adjudicators. Like, yes. I I want more of this world. It's so it's fascinating so and rich. Like, oh, so it's stylized wonderful. too. Yeah. Yes, I want more. <laughs> no more action, though, for Sarah. I, on the I, other hand. I'm good with action. Just give me a good story to go along with it. Mm, like, yeah. 
Okay. I, Fair enough. I like action. Beat up the bad guys. Shoot them all up. I don't care. Be inventive. Do more of the no close more combat shots. with no... Yes, no more crotch shots, please. Like, ugh, stop. But <laughs> give me a good story and more of the world. And see, I, on the other hand, I will forgive your terrible <laughs> story writing. I will count all of the terrible dialogue as just your... You knew it was bad, but it's part of why it's funny. I will forgive all of that because I'm here for the action. I don't care about the rest of this stuff. I just want to watch some fun, exhilarating stuff happen on screen. I want to see more of the creative stuff. So more ninjas on motorcycles and book smashes and knife dart throwing scenes. More of that. And I'm here for it. You just want to see... Oh, as I lose my voice. <clears throat> so you just want to see John Wick kill as many people as he can with regular household objects. Yes. And how and where and with yeah. what item? It's yeah. like Clue. Where, which, Ooh. where and how did they die? Was it a book, yeah. a knife, a sword on a, a pencil? A pencil or a horse? <laughs> I'm here for it. I love seeing it. <laughs> and then some good world building. And just make the plot mildly good. Just very clear <laughs> character motives is all we need. <laughs> and clear objectives. Yes. And, and a clear payoff at the end. Exactly. And they've milked this whole puppy thing enough. So no more puppies. Yeah. Like his, his current pup uh, is cute. I like his little cameos. Uh, yeah. uh, that's fine. But no more. Like, you can continue to show him little bits here and there. But <laughs> no more with the puppies. Yeah, I feel like they've milked the puppy joke also plenty enough. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's... They need to put that one to bed. They do. Alrighty, so that is our review of John Wick 3. I'm pumped for a fourth one. Sarah may or may not be pumped for a fourth one depending on what they do with it. Alas, yeah, we'll see what they what they do with this war on the high table theme. I'm pumped to see what happens next. We'll see. Mm -hmm. Has it has it been confirmed that there's going to be a fourth? It has not. So I okay. read I didn't think so that the director only wants to make it if people want to see it and so he's going to kind of I think they're going to wait and see it has not been confirmed yet no okay that's that's what I had read too but you're usually better at researching these things than I am so yeah it was the first thing I googled walking out of the theater <laughs> <laughs> when is John Wick 4 coming out yeah because that almost every other like fa franchise you know exactly when the next one's gonna come out mm -hmm. yeah they've planned so, it like five years in advance I really respect that the director is taking that approach. Mm -hmm. Like that's a really, really great way to do it instead of just making movies that get increasingly bad as they go along that nobody wants to see until you have to finally pull the plug. Like, yep. Stop making it if nobody else wants to see it. Like that's really a courageous decision. Yeah. This won't be a avatar scenario where oh, like the next Lord four of them or three of them are already planned out yeah i'm i'm not here for that that's mm -hmm. for sure nope <laughs> but i am excited to see more of this kind of action it's so much fun and such a breath of fresh air in this realm of cgi frenzy yes so yeah all right this was a and Jen, yes. do you know what I just realized? What? We didn't make a Star Wars reference <gasps> in this entire episode. I actually did have one in mind, but then the opportunity passed, so I couldn't retract. But I'm going to make it now, okay? <laughs> in hindsight, this was my Star Wars reference that I had <laughs> swirling my mind. Uh, you were talking about how John's... The whole premise of this is John needing to survive and how it wasn't compelling. And I was thinking about how one of the problems with The Last Jedi is 
there were no stakes. It was basically like the rebels are trying to survive. They get attacked. They escape. They try and survive. But like there's no dramatic stakes for what happens if they do or don't. And it's kind of similar here. So that's my dotted line reference <laughs> out into the galaxy to <laughs> the Star Wars world. Well done. Yes. We're still on the hunt for our Star Wars reference sound effect because every episode we somehow managed to weave one in. We're on the hunt. Stay I didn't tuned. I know if that we were if on it's, the hunt. If it's hmm. as good as our uh, gunshot sound effects, <laughs> it's going to be pretty epic. <laughs> See, now I just want to have random gen gunshot sounds <laughs> just like randomly inserted into episodes. <laughs> Yeah, I've got my R2 sounds. I've got my John Wick gunshot sounds. You're just building up your repertoire. Yeah, I know. We're ready for like a Wally Tube film where there's <laughs> no dialogue. It's just me making sounds. <laughs> Perfect. Yes. We're ready. All right. So we will be back next week with another episode I believe we'll be potentially reviewing Aladdin, so stay tuned for that. Oh, no. Yeah, Sarah's going to love it, as you can tell by her reaction. I'm not ready. (laughs) I I am not ready to uh, endure two, probably, hours of Disney trying to destroy my childhood. I'm... I got to mentally prepare for this. Yes, you do. Oh, man. Wow. I'm so pumped for this episode. I feel (laughs) like it's just going to be a whole big roast. We were talking about how it had been a couple weeks since we had done a roast, and our Pokemon Detective Pikachu episode, which we reviewed last week, uh, was definitely a roast. And I think we have another one on the horizon. Although I read a headline... It was a film review for Aladdin that said it was surprisingly good. So, you know, be prepared to be surprised, I suppose. I will not. <laughs> no. I. Okay. Will Smith as the genie. I don't need to go further than that. Like, yeah. Just no. Yeah, it's going to be rough. Yeah. So, but we'll see it and you can listen to the review next week. <laughs> it's going to be great. Yeah. It's going to be a fun one. Roasts are always kind of a, a good time for us. In the meantime, get together with a friend. One of the reasons that uh, Sarah and I started the strategic whimsy experiment uh, is we loved talking about film and unpacking and dissecting films. And it was just such a fun thing for us to do that we thought, you know, let's let's just hit record while we talk away, which we already were did was doing. And so this was our little strategic whimsy experiment. Something that is really fun for us. Um, whimsical, but we don't necessarily have to have this big strategic plan in place. Um, we're doing it solely because it brings a lot of joy to our lives. Whatever your strategic whimsy experiment may be, uh, this is our way of infusing whimsy into our lives and we hope that you have a little something in your life that is bringing you a lot of joy, that sets your soul on fire and just gets you excited. So um, stay tuned next week for our review roast (laughs) of Aladdin and we'll see you next time.